Um, you know, I believe that God can reach you exactly where you're at. Exactly, speak exactly into the situation that you're going through right now. And this is what I'm praying that God will do tonight. That he's going to make my words, his words, and be able to reach you. But before I get going, I just want to ask you, who was here this morning? Wasn't this, um, like this is for you, Devin, unbelievable. <laughs> it was unreal. It was so, so cool. And I love to be able to see, you know, uh, young people on fire for God. They were on fire. Like worship team was unbelievable. I, I told uh, uh, David, who was directing uh, worship this morning, that I, I felt like I went to a mini Hillsong concert. I'm not kidding. I actually felt even better because it felt better for me. The, the level of anointing I got ministered to Amen. tremendously. I mean, during worship, it was awesome. So let's give it up to the 508. You know, one of the things that I loved about, that I love about Devin, I love, there's a lot that I love about him, but one of the things that I love about him is, <laughs> I'll get to you, PD. Uh, remember, I have the mic. Uh, so one thing I love about Devin is, is his love for the Word of God. And, and he, he, he says it from the stage, but I see it off stage. And, 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 and the people that were occupying the stage, I mean, David Pesanya, like leading worship, his love for people, his love for God, I see it off stage. And what I tell the worship team every now and then is that, the, like, yes, we are supposed to make great music. We're supposed to sing and to play skillfully according to the Bible. But the most important song that we sing is the one off stage. That's the most important song. And I, and I love to see their lives and I love to see how much they love God. So let's give it up for them one more time. So I'm excited to share with you guys, you know, just a few things that God has put in my heart. And I'll, and I'll just start by saying that, that I have, uh, I am the youngest. I am the youngest of three in my house. Okay, so I have my brother, I have my sister. And I was just like, for fun, I was just like looking up some uh, interesting facts about the lastborns, you know, about the youngest one in the families. And, 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 and hear, hear me out. I'm going to tell you like, I think eight things here that I jot down. I found a whole lot more, by the way, because we are very interesting people. Um, <laughs> But I only, I only have eight for the sake of time. Do we have any lastborns in here? Yeah. So we, way to represent, Gretchen. <laughs> All right. All right. So I think that these things will resonate with you a little bit. So stay with me as I say this, okay? So number one, if you're the lastborn, very likely your parents would rarely get your name right. Isn't that right? <laughs> yeah, your parents, like, they, they would call all your siblings' names and then your cousins and then finally get to you. Bonus point if they call the dog's name first. That happened to me a couple times. So number two, number two, you never have control of the remote. So you learn to like whatever's on TV because it's, it's by seniority, right? If dad is in the house and then mom and then brother and sister and then poor me. And I never watch TV alone. So I, I always had to watch whatever they were watching. So, and that, so that made me like whatever made us like whatever was on TV, but then it also translates into older age. Like when I get home sometimes and Sarah, my wife, is watching TV and, and I'm not going to change the channel because she's watching something, but I get there, I, I, I sit and I give her a hug and, and I get the remote. I don't do anything with it, I just hold it. I, like it. I never had it when I was a kid, so I just, I just do it. All right, number three, your mother very often lost you in different places. I don't know if that, or maybe that's just me, but... Uh, often lose track of where you were. I remember like in the mall or supermarket having 
different places like, this is where you go if you get lost. And I remember being in that place very often because I would just like wander around. I don't know if I was a wanderer or if she really lost track of me, but maybe it's better that I don't know. Uh, all right, number four. Socially, less borns, they gravitate towards relationships with older people. You know, like I, I like to hang out with slightly older people than myself. Uh, is it because we are smarter and more mature? Yes. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're not. It's simply because as a kid, as a kid, we always wanted, the coolest thing was to be part of, you know, your older siblings' activities, to hang out with the older crowd. So that's why we, even as adults, we hang out with older people. And we like it. Uh, number five, and this is so true, they are not really attached and really don't care about, uh, you know, name, brand, clothing, like expensive stuff like that. And they are the masters of hand-me-downs. In fact, this morning I was wearing a hand-me-down from Herman Fuller, and it's one of my favorite shirts, and I don't care. <laughs> or they go the opposite way. They spend 85 of their income on expensive stuff. It's either one of them. All right, number six. They learn best by being mentored. They learn basically their entire childhood just by imitating their brother or sister. So um, just, you know, as if you're a boss or if you're an employer or if you try to teach someone how to do something, if they are a last born, I'm telling you, uh, if you give them books, if you, if you give them stuff to learn and then they get to do whatever they are, they're going to do, they're going to be bored and they're going to lose interest quickly. But you sit them next to you and you do it, whatever it is that you want them to learn, you do it, chances are that they're going to be just as good or better than you by Wednesday because they're good. They're really good in learning by being met, mentored. All right, number seven. This is a funny one. Uh, they understand what guilt by association is. <laughs> they really understand what that is. I remember going to, I think it was first grade, uh, and it was my first year on that particular school, and the, the principal took me to the class and as, as she was going to introduce me to the class teacher, so the class teacher is like, oh, hi. And then, and then she goes like, okay, this is Rodrigo. Rodrigo is my real name, by the way, if you don't know. Uh, so she goes like, okay, this is Rodrigo. And, and, she, and the teacher is all happy and smiling. And then the principal continues the sentence. And she goes like, this is Rodrigo's, uh, Rodrigo, this is Danny's brother. And then all of a sudden, the change. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, so I know what guilt by association is. And I think the last borns. They do know. And then the last one, number eight, they were always labeled as shy. Always labeled as shy. Oh, oh he's so shy. He doesn't speak much. She's so shy. The truth is we're not shy. The truth is we never really had a chance to talk. You know, we, you know, we never could express our opinion because we, couldn't, we just didn't have the chance, so we gave up. So that's it. So let's give it up for the last boys in the house. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, there are... Many studies, you know, on the, on the birth order of people, and so you have the last born, you have the first born, you have the, the middle child, and uh, I chose last born because we're the coolest, but anyways, that's besides the point. Um, but it's so interesting to see how just something so simple as the birth order in a family, how it affects you during your childhood and even during adulthood. Okay, it's so interesting to see how that affects uh, how we pan out to be. Now, I have two little boys, um, and I love them to death. I mean, I have Lucas, my four-year-old, almost five, and I have David, 11 months old, almost one. can't believe how time flies. Uh, and Lucas actually took a little while longer to start speaking. I remember um, 
he was older than the other kids and he was still not, you know, developing that, that speech thing. And some people thought it was, uh, and I also believe it was, uh, part of the, you know, bilingual setting. You know, you have uh, between church and school and, and uh, family and relatives and grandparents, all of that Portuguese and English thing. And um, it, it was, it's, it's a, can be confusing for him. So now, now he speaks a lot, a lot. He won't stop. He won't stop speaking. You know, sometimes it can take two and a half hours for him to eat a sandwich. Not because he doesn't like the sandwich, because he's my son, so he likes food. But, you know, he, he, he just talks a lot. He just talks a lot. So breakfast at our house is, is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a, uh, every morning, it's a lot of fun. And then I have my 11-month-old, David, and... As any 11-year-old, uh, all he does is he eats, he sleeps, he crawls, and he poops. Uh, you guys know what. He goes now, you guys know how he goes. But um, I remember when Lucas was born, when my, my first one was born, um, I was just concentrating 100% of my time on navigating life, navigating all the changes. I mean, whoever is a parent here tonight knows how different and how difficult it can be, the transition in the beginning. Because of all, everything that you need to navigate, you know, difference in time, all of a sudden you have time for nothing. Is that right? You can't, you can't do anything. Uh, all of a sudden the chores are unending in the house. You never get it done. You never get it done. And then worried about finances, making sure that we're going to be able to pay for everything. And you know, this is so expensive. Uh, but I remember just trying to navigate all of that and just worried about the safety of Lucas at that particular time. You know, making sure that he wasn't, he wasn't going to swallow that sock that he just took off his foot and, and wasn't going to put his finger where he's not supposed to and, and all of those things. And that was my 100% preoccupation. But then fast forward a few years uh, and we had David and all of that. And then um, and I started to have more deeper, let's say, conversations with Lucas uh, about things. And another weight came over me. It wasn't necessarily just for the safety and security of him, but it was really the weight of raising him. Raising him. And the more I thought about culture today and the more I thought about what our kids are exposed today on a daily basis, uh, the more frightening it can be. Isn't that right? And it's, it's, it's a crazy thing. But I realized that the only place, the only place that I can really find peace in this chaos that the world is today, the only place that I can find peace is in the Word of God. Amen? Amen. And, uh, and that was basically in the same same time that there's a new show on TV called Arrow. How many have heard of Arrow? How many watch Arrow? Season one and two. All right. How many are not willing to admit they watch Arrow? <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's just a, a show based on the DC Comics character, uh, Green Arrow. And um, I don't know what channel, and I'm not going to advertise it. But still, um, it's, it's, it's an okay show, to be honest with you. You know, it has a lame little line, like when he gets the criminals that he's after. He goes, like, you have failed this city. It's just, it's, it's pretty lame. I wish they would change that, by the way. But, you know, like what really caught my attention is not, is not like how fast he moves or, or, or what have you. Uh, it's, what really caught my attention is how many types of arrows he has on his quiver. He has arrows that will make a big splash and, and uh, you know, explosion and break through walls. And he has other ones that will just create smoke so he can vanish through it. Or he has other ones that will... Uh, he has like tranquilizer on it, or uh, he has like so many types of, of, of arrows, some that are lethal, some that will, I don't, I don't know, just knock you down. Uh, and they have ones that like uh, has uh, like ropes that will 
tie, tie the feet of the criminals. I don't know how they do it, but again, it's a TV show. They can do anything. Uh, but it's, it's just like a huge variety of, of uh, arrows that he has. And this brought me to a scripture uh, that, that I was reading, and I was talking even to my dad a little bit about this the other day, and, and, and it, it's in Psalms 127. So if you have your Bible, if you have your Bible, open up your Bible in Psalms 127, and we're going to read from there. And uh, if you have your iPhone, you can open up your Bible app. If you don't have an iPhone, get an iPhone, um, and everything is going to be good. Or pretend you have one. Open up your Bible app, Psalms 127, verse 4. You guys there? Say Amen. All right, so Psalms 127, verse 4, it says, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Now, in this text, the psalmist is, is actually referring to our kids as weapons. He's referring to our kids as arrows, as weapons. And he is making no mistake. He is making no mistakes. Because uh, God has amazing plans for our kids. God has amazing plans for us. And we are never going to accomplish those plans if we stay in the quiver. It, we're never going to accomplish it if we stay in the quiver. So the psalmist is not making any mistake. They are really weapons. And arrows are not meant to be safe. They're not meant to be kept safe or in the, in, in the quiver. They're meant to be released with full power. To hit the target with great force and impacting the world with God's love. Amen? But before that happens, before we're able to point and shoot, there's something that needs to happen. Each individual arrow needs to be crafted. It needs to be made. And there's a process for that. And, that, and that's a huge responsibility. It's our responsibility, the parent's responsibility, to craft it. Now, if you're not a parent here, don't dismiss me yet. Okay, don't, don't dismiss me yet because there's, there's something for you in here too. But it is the parent's responsibility to craft it. God gives us, gives us the components to craft it, the instructions to craft it, but we got to do it. It's our responsibility to do it. Amen? Amen. So in order for us to craft them, we need to first understand what an arrow is made up of, okay? What goes into making an arrow. And I have like four just major elements that I want to talk here tonight, and I'm going to talk briefly about them. Um, that's going to make up the arrow that we're crafting, amen? Number one, uh, feathers. Feathers goes into an arrow. I don't know, Brian Barnes here? Okay, Brian Barnes would know this uh, to be true. So feathers, the first part that, we, that I want to talk to you about is feathers. The feathers, they create drag, okay? The, the function of the feather uh, in an arrow is to create drag. So when you, when you shoot the arrow, it will make sure that the tail of the arrow stays behind where it's supposed to. Number one. Number two, it will stabilize and will make sure that the flight will go straight to the point and will not deviate from the route intended. So that's what the feathers are supposed to do. And that's, that's a, whole lot, uh, a whole lot like character traits. Character traits. And we see this, you know, in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Character, uh, the building of character is really a common theme in the Bible from beginning to the end of the Bible. And it's a major assignment that God gives us as parents. Now, character defined, if you look it up in the dictionary, this is what it's going to say. It's the aggregate of features and traits from the individual nature of some person or thing. Again, character defined. Character is the aggregate of features and traits from the individual nature of some person or something. Now, each one of these feathers 
is a character trait. And the devil is almost always very subtle in the way that he works. You, 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 typically, you don't see you know, the devil acting in a splashy, you know, sudden way. Typically, he's subtle in his approach, so he's kind of undetected uh, for a, a certain period of time. And one of the ways that he works is to mess up our character, is to be able to come in and to distort godly character that we have. And he distorts and he plants different things that are not from God. Now, if one of the feathers is off, the arrow will still fly, but it will, it will be wobbly. It will be a little bit, you know, off. It will take a different direction. Even if it's just by a few degrees, it will take a different direction and it will not hit the target intended. Now, P.D. always says that, um, he always says that every path has a predetermined um, destination, and that is absolutely right. You can never expect to get to Worcester if you get on Mass Pike eastbound. You're going to get to Boston, but not to Worcester. Now, if you get westbound, you're going to get to Worcester and beyond, but never to Boston. And that is so true. That is so true. And that's a very um, dramatic example. So, so we all can understand exactly what, what he's saying, that is, and that is true. And that is like serving God or not serving God. It's like two completely opposites. And like following God or not following God. But then what about when we are following God? What about... When we are on the right side of Mass Pike, let's say that that's Boston. So we are eastbound on Mass Pike. But then, all of a sudden, changing a feather or, or damaging a feather, d- damaging some of our character traits, will not necessarily make us to make a 180 and to go the other direction, but it will simply tip us off. Just a couple degrees, two or three degrees to the right, two or three, or t- three de- uh, degrees to the left. And that is enough to at the end of the road to make sure that the target is not hit, the right target is not hit. And he does that really not noticeable at first. The way that he approaches us is really not noticeable at first. But then all of a sudden, we realize the destination has changed. Now, if you're on Mass Bike, okay, if you're on Mass Bike and uh, like literally driving on a Mass Bike, and all of a sudden you're either texting, which you shouldn't do, text and drive, um, or Whatever it is that you're doing that catches your attention more than the road, and all of a sudden you go off a little bit, and then you go, isn't that right? <laughs> now, what is that? What is that? That's there for a reason. That's there for a reason. That's, that's uh, kind of saying, like, hey, wake up. You're, you're going off the road, buddy. You know? And what is the, like, whenever we go through that, by the way, I never did. I don't know what it is to experience that. I'm a very good driver. But when we go through that, what do we do? We immediately correct it, right? We immediately go back on the road. We wake up. We pay attention. But it's so funny that it's sad, to be honest, not funny. It's sad that we often don't do that in our spiritual life. Sometimes we go off the road a little bit, and all of a sudden you go through that, and that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. That's the Holy Spirit talking to me. And sometimes we simply don't answer. We simply ignore the signs. And then sometimes God uses people to tell you, hey, you're off the road. Like your co-pilot, hey, buddy, go off the road, go back to the road. But we still don't listen. Now, how many of you agree with me that if you don't go back to the road, the result is not pretty, is it? It's really not pretty. Now, the devil works in subtle ways, so we need to be on top of character development of our kids. 
And that's why the Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, that we should train up a child in the way they should go so when they grow up, they won't depart from it. So we, we need to be able to do that. We got to pray for, we got to develop in them and imprint on them the character traits of love and discipline and honesty and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, self-control and forgiveness and humility and courage and fairness Gratitude, responsibility, purity, wisdom, compassion, obedience, and so much more. Can I have an amen? Because if the character ain't great, it won't fly straight. As simple as that. If the character ain't great, it won't fly straight. All right, so we learn about feathers. The next component, number two, is the knock. Everybody say the knock. All of the power in a bull when you pull the string... All of that pent-up power, ready to be released, really has no value if there is no way to properly um, transfer it to the, to the arrow. Am I right? You it really has no value. That's why in the back of every single arrow, there's a little groove. Okay? And that's what holds the, the string in place. And that's called the knock. That's called the knock. So as, uh, uh, that's a whole lot like relationships, more specifically our relationship with God. We got to make sure that our relationship with God is growing. We got to make sure that the relationship with God uh, of our kids with God is growing. And like Devin was saying, it, it, takes a, it takes a little bit of time as you're like, like Lucas, like a three-year-old, four-year-old, you're still learning, but I got to model to him what a relationship with God is. But eventually he needs to set up his own uh, connection with the Wi-Fi. He needs to set up his own connection with God. And that is so important because that's going to keep that string in place. So when it's time, that arrow can be released and, can, and can, can make the biggest impact that you can possibly have. So that's a lot like relationships with, our, with, with the parents as well. So we got to teach our kids to be able to have healthy relationships with other people as well. It's okay for you to have a relationship with other people and not necessarily follow them. You don't have to follow or agree what they do. But we are called to be influencers in this world. And we got to teach our kids to be a stronger influencer in this world. And we also need to know that in every interaction that we have, every single interaction that we have, there's influence taking place. You're either influencing people or you're being influenced. Even if you say, "Now nah, that doesn't get to me. It's fine. If you're not being a big influence on them, trust me, you're being influenced. It's just a matter of time. Those are the, the couple degrees off. But eventually we start moving our, our, our beliefs to conform with our behavior. And that is so common, so common to, to move our beliefs to conform with our behavior. What was not okay two years ago, all of a sudden is. What changed? Nothing really changed. But we simply want the comfort. And, and we, we find the justification sometimes in just bad friendships. So, yes, tell me who you're, who you're doing in life. Tell me who is the major influence in your life, and I'll tell you your future, just like Devin said today. Like some people say, like, tell me who you hang out with, and I'll tell you who you are. Uh, that doesn't really apply because, you know, Jesus, Jesus hung out with uh, tax collectors uh, and thieves and prostitutes and, and some bad people that did, that did bad things. Were, was he bad? No, he wasn't. However, he was the big influence. He was the biggest influence on them, not them on him. Amen. Um, all right, so the next one, the next one, so we learn about feathers. Feathers are character traits. 
And then we learn about the, the knock, and the knock are relationships with, with God, with the parents, and with people. And relationships, like we are, we're born to be relational people, by the way. And it is through relationship that God can, can bring provision, God can bring encouragement, God can bring healing, God can bring so many things. It is through relationships, so we need to be relational with one another. But we just got to make sure that we choose who is influencing our lives. Amen? All right, the next thing is the third point, and the worship team can come up. Uh, the third point is uh, actually the point. Come on, say the point. The arrow is now almost complete. So we got the feathers, we got the knock, and now we add the point. The point really reminds us of an essential need that every single person has. You know, we have the need to have a reason, a reason to live, a purpose to live, a purpose in life, a calling to follow, a driving passion that provides meaning to our lives. So the point represents purpose. So we need to help our kids to understand that life is really a dynamic relationship with God that overflows with love towards other people, towards people around. In essence, our mission is laid out in the Bible. So my mission, your mission is the same. God, Jesus left that on um, uh, Matthew 28, and it says that we should go and preach the gospel to all nations and all people and make disciples. So that's basically the mission that every Christian has. Now, the how is what is different. I can do that differently than you can, and you can do that differently than you can, and so forth. So we need to understand that our careers, and we need to teach our kids that our careers, our jobs, and our hobbies, they are simply a way to do that, okay? They're, 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 they're the prop for it all. They're, they're the platform in which you can preach. By the way, this platform here is the smallest one. This is the smallest platform that you can reach people. Now, it is in your job, it is with your neighbors, it is with your family, it is with your friends, it is in the supermarket, it is in the gas station. That's your platform. And that's a job that I can't do. That's a job that PD can't do, that, but that's a job that you can. And you are priests, according to 1 Peter 2, 9. You are priests, a royal priesthood. So knowing who we are in Christ, we're, we're going to get there in a, in a little bit. Um, it's important. It's very important. So like I said in the beginning, the green arrow has... Lots of different arrows and for different applications, different missions, different goals and different purposes. And our kids are a lot like that. You know, we are a lot like that. We're all different. And it is up to us to help our kids to understand their strengths and validate them, validate them, motivate them and equip them to direct them in a way that they'll live out their calling. They were going to be able to live out their calling. They're going to be able to have and make the biggest impact when they hit the target. Amen? Now, the last point. Now, the last point. Uh, so we have the feathers, we have the knock, we have the point. But there's one thing, and it's actually the most important thing. And I'm going to camp on this a little bit more. The last and most important thing is what holds it all together, and that's called the shaft. Say the shaft. And now, the most important thing is the shaft because it holds it all together. We talked about feathers, the knock, and the point. And there's one more element, which is the shaft. Now, all the other components are attached to it, so we can see it's a pretty important thing. And we can really identify that with someone's identity. That's someone's identity. we got to make sure that we know that what our identity in Christ is. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life 
is gone. A new life has begun. So whenever we are born, because we are born in a sinful world, whenever we are born, our spirit is, is, is born dormant. But whenever we come to Christ, it's reborn. That's why we, we use the, the, the term born again. So our spirit is reborn, and then with that, we adopt a new identity. And, and that's, this new identity is our new identity in Christ. And we got, we got to know that in order for us to be able to teach and explain and um, just have our kids understand what our identity in Christ is. And if, if, if the shaft in the arrow, if the identity, if the shaft of the arrow is warped, bent, or damaged, in any way, its flight will be wobbly. It will be wobbly at best and unpredictable. The same things happen uh, in a child's life. If their identity in Christ, or even in our lives, if our identity in Christ is, is distorted, if we don't know, or if it's stolen, sometimes it's stolen, and I'll explain a little bit further later, but sometimes we can, we, can, we, can, we, can, we can lose that, we can lose track of what that is. We don't lose that, but we can lose track of what that is. Our flight through life will be wobbly. Our flight through life will be difficult and will be unpredictable. And it will be hard to hit the target intended. So we got to ask ourselves, who is forming our children's identity? Who is forming our children's identity? Is it us, according to the Bible, Deuteronomy 11? Or is it someone else or something else? Is it media? Is it, I was going to say iPhone, but that's bad. <laughs> but again, is, is our smartphones? Let's blend put it that way. That's something to think about. Now, the devil, like I said before, he has subtle ways to mess up our identity. And he uses everything and everyone around us to do so. From friendships to family to TV to movies, TV shows. He uses all of that to distort our identity and to help us to believe we are what we're not. We can become confused with who we are, with our identity, if we let these things be the major influence of our lives. We can live out fantasies and then, you know, be who we wish we were in, in those fantasies but never really get to be anything because we get lost in that. Like, I used to do this a long time ago. I don't do that anymore. But I used to do this. I used to, like, every time I would watch a movie at the, uh, like, at night and, and me and Sarah watching a movie and there was any buff guys and, like, super ripped guys and beating everybody up and, you know, being the hero at the end, you know, I would be, like, so pumped at the end. And uh, then I would go, like, and do, like, five push-ups. <laughs> I'm kidding. I can do more than five. I would do, like, seven. But, no, but then, like, the next morning, I would go to the gym, and I would even, like, text Pity, hey, I'm at the gym, just so he can be proud of me. I would text him, go to the gym, and lift some weight, and do all of those things, and then come to work. And then, how many of you think that that lasted? Well, the pain did, like 14 days later, I, was st I still couldn't move. But that's, that's how much something, like just a movie can influence you. I don't do that anymore, right, babe? So, we can become very confused with, with who we are. But to form a child's identity or to fix our identity, we need two things. Number one, we need God. Say, we need God. You know, uh, just a few verses back from the main text that we read in Psalm 127. If you look at Psalm 127 verse 1, it says, Unless God builds this house, 
or you can say dwelling or family. Unless God is involved in this family, in the building of this family, the labor is in vain. So we need to invite God. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us, to discover the calling, to discover the purpose, to discover how our kids were made and what they're supposed to do in life from an early age. And then we need to raise them in a way that is conducive or in a way that it makes it possible for them to actually grow into their calling, for them to actually grow and be able to perform their purpose, equipping them to go after their calling. We need to affirm them and fill them with confidence, fill them with confidence, communicate over and over again how we see them, which should be how God sees them, teaching them right from wrong according to God's word. So the first thing we need to do is invite God, invite God in the situation. Only he can give us wisdom and open up our eyes to see what he wants us to see. And the second thing we need, the second thing we need is his word. Second thing is his word. We got to do everything to make sure that our kids know who they are in Christ, their identity in Christ. The enemy will surely let them know how he wants them to see themselves. He will definitely do that. He wants, the, uh, Satan wants you and me and our kids to see ourselves as defeated, to see ourselves as incapable, to see ourselves as worthless, to see ourselves as unacceptable, to see ourselves as liars, as dishonest, as unforgivable. That's how the devil wants us to feel. And he finds different ways to get that message in our minds. But then we counteract that with the Word of God. The Word of God says that we are unconditionally loved. It is not only unconditional, but it is unending. So it's an unconditional love that never ends. So there is no end to it. And that's what the Word of God says. So we counteract it by telling ourselves and telling the devil, shut up devil, because we are, I'm unconditionally loved. I am unbelievably accepted, completely accepted, completely. And I'm chosen. I am a royal priest. I am part of a holy nation and I'm worth more than anything in this world because the highest price was paid for me the highest price so you see how important it is to just know who you are in Christ see how important it is to know your identity in Christ we need to remember that we are forgiven and that once we have once we know Christ and once we have a relationship with him we no longer walk in shame we no longer walk in condemnation we no longer walk in fear we no longer walk in unforgiveness. We no longer walk in condemnation. We no longer walk in, walk in guilt or slavery. But we walk in victory. Amen? God created each one of us differently. And he has dreams for each one of us according to Jeremiah 29. And great plans for us. He has a purpose for us all. And in him we can do all things. Amen? Not just a few things. Not just the easy things. But we can do all things according to his word so if someone tells you that you won't be successful if you if you hear a little whisper in your mind that you that you can't do that you're not qualified for that that you shouldn't be able they shouldn't pursue that because you, you will you will fail tell them tell the enemy that he's a liar tell the enemy that he's a liar because that's not what the word says the word says in Philippians 4 13 that I can do all things all things in him who strengthens me amen that's why it's so important to know the Bible. So important to know the Bible. Even Jesus himself. Listen to this. Even Jesus, when he was in the desert and, and he was very hungry, he was very hungry because he was fasting and the devil presents himself to Jesus and he, he, he tempts Jesus. You guys know that scripture, right? 
You know what I'm talking about? And um, I don't have time to go into the whole thing here, but uh, he wants to steal God, uh, Jesus' identity as he wants to steal your identity. He wants to steal Jesus' identity. He wants to be Lord. But there's another, another piece of identity that he wants to steal, which is the one that we have as well, of the, the, the identity of the Son of God. Because if you see the three times... The three times that he tempted Jesus to bow down to him and worship him, Satan is promising a reward for that. The first one is the reward of a provision. The second one is a protection. The third one is of an inheritance. Satan not only wanted to take the identity of, of Lord, being Lord, but actually he wanted to be Jesus' father. He wanted to steal Jesus' identity of not being God's son. You see that? But even at that particular time, even at that particular point, Jesus is Jesus. He can do anything. He has all the power. But how does he handle the situation? How does he answer? With what? With the word of God. With scriptures. With scriptures. And that is so, so important. That's why it's so important for us to know who we are in Christ. So we can, we can be able to answer whenever there's a need. And we need to teach and develop and to protect our kids. There are many scriptures, many scriptures that talks about who we are in Christ. And first, first Peter 2.9 is one. Uh, th there's actually that. It's, it's, a, it's a handful. You have five major points in there. Uh, or first John 4.8, Jeremiah 29, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. There's a whole lot in there. You know, Philippians 4.13 I just mentioned. Second Corinthians 5 and so many others. So equipping ourselves with the word is so, so important. That's why the psalmist says, I've hidden your word in my heart I've hidden and that is not hidden so people don't see it okay the, the, the original word the original word is I've imprinted so it's always there so when there's a need I can recall it whether to minister to other people or to minister to myself that's why it's so important for us to stay in the Word of God now we see that Satan is always trying to destroy, distort, and steal our identity. Even if it is on, and if it is on top of his uh, agenda, if it is on top, like a top priority for him, it should be a top priority for us to pr protect it. Amen. Now that we know how to craft our errors, we need to pray and we need to ask God to help us to release them on the right time. We as parents, we pull and we hold the string, but then we got to be able to release it at the right time. Now to conclude. As the, as the archer, we need to be able to, uh, we need to want the arrows to go further than we can ever go. Because you can't really shoot an arrow and it falls to the ground. That's embarrassing. We want our arrows to go further than we could ever go. We want their, their reach to be farther than we could ever reach. We want their influence to be bigger than ours could ever be. Amen? As the archer, I want my sons to reach more than I could ever reach. I want them to be more successful than I could ever be. I want them to be more relational than I could ever be. I want them to reach their target even more that on than I could ever do. And I, I, it's, I actually see this on the third service that Pastor Ernie was here uh, on second service today. Oh, third service. Uh, that <laughs> that uh, Pastor Ernie was here. You know, I was just like, thinking about this because I it's just amazing to see the guy that actually risked everything to build his ministry and he was building this ministry and at the same time crafting an arrow right there sitting in the front seat and to be able to see him 
crafting that arrow and some and, and then three more it's it's just a beautiful thing to see and to see in flight and i know because i i know devin since he was like 12 years old and i've seen i've seen that arrow being crafted it's a beautiful 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 thing amen everybody let's stand on our feet for a little bit Now, you may be listening to this and you may think like, I don't have any kids. This really doesn't apply to me. I'll tell you that it does apply to you. You know why? Because you can be here today as the archer or you can be here today as the arrow. You can be here today as the archer or the arrow or both. Maybe you're the archer, but you feel that you've never done any of these things right. In fact, maybe the, the complete opposite. But I tell you that there is a solution. You can invite God. It's never too late to invite God into your equation, into your situation. Or maybe you're the, the archer and you have done things right, but you haven't been successful. Again, invite God into your situation and he can change things. Or lastly, maybe you're the arrow. Maybe you're an arrow. And there's really no age limit to this. You know, I'm the archer of my two sons, but I'm also an arrow one of the errors from my father and if you need God's help intervention to raise your kids no matter what their age is or if you're an arrow and you have been bent through life hurt damaged or even broken I believe that God can restore do you I believe that God can restore so I want to invite you to come to the front and get prayer. The prayer team can come to the front right now. And I want, I'd like to get Pastor and Stacy and my wife too to come to the front just, just to pray for people as you guys come in. Because I believe that God can, through us, God can release the anointing of the repairer of the breach according to Isaiah 58, 12. And everything that is broken everything that is broken everything that is lost everything that's been stolen he can restore not three times not five times but seven times over amen all right so the worship team can start singing you guys can sing set a fire because there's one more thing about set a fire you, you can keep on going there's one more thing about fire Devin was talking today about fire and and, it's, and how it, it purifies silver right it's a beautiful thing how it it, it, it it takes all the the impurities out of the silver and makes it pure but there's another thing that fire does fire makes us flexible it makes us flexible that's why you see them putting putting things on fire so it's flexible it's malleable it can be changed it can be fixed whatever has been broken it can be fixed everything that is warped Everything that is bent, everything that is hurt, everything that is damaged can be fixed. Amen?